Hello, welcome to episode 29 of the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast, a podcast about the history and construction of the city's motorways and expressways. I'm John Hassel. And I'm Stuart Beard. Hello, Stuart, how are you? I am fine, how are you? I'm not too bad. It's a shame we're stuck in here doing a podcast on such a lovely evening. I know. So it's sunny. beautiful weather when we're recording this, which makes a change. I know. We do uh, We do need a fan or aircon in here, because I'm roasting. Yeah, we'll have to see about something like that. <laughs> Put a request into <laughs> management. Upgrade it. But anyway, we've got a fantastic idea, something different that we're doing this episode on the podcast. So we thought Stuart and I were going to have a little bit of fun. We'll see if this works out. We've both come up with five things each, five things that we want to talk about. Now, these might be opinions we've got on something, little facts about stuff, things we love, things we hate. So I've come up with five, Stuart's come up with five, and we're going to talk about them. Now, these things that we're going to talk about, they are our own opinions, not necessarily that that reflect totally on the archive, but you never know. You might learn something. So please tell us what you think afterwards. Yeah, I think it'll be, it'll be nice to, rather than focus on a topic, uh, just do something a wee bit different, get some discussion going. Obviously, we're interested in other people's opinions, and after we've revealed what our five things are, it would be good to have mm-hmm. people follow up with uh-huh. theirs, or whether they agree or disagree with them as we go and get a wee bit of discussion going. So so listen in, and, and if you uh, have any strong opinions on anything we say, feel free to post them. Uh, on. Oh, I'm sure people will. They yeah. always do. And that's why you said things. We just wanted to kind of keep it quite open-ended. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's it's things. Things, it's things. It's things. Not, it's but things. after the things, we're going to do the usual, and we've got a couple of questions, don't we? Um, yeah, time for a couple of questions at the end. Right. Then we're going to talk about our next two podcasts, which are very special, coming in a very special month. Yes. Uh, so all will be revealed on that at the end, although I'm sure most people have an idea what we're hinting at. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no, no spoilers. <laughs> okay, well, listen, why don't we get straight into it? Yeah, I think we will. I think we will. So th- these five things then, tell us how we're going to work this process then. So... As I just said earlier, Stuart, you've come up with five things that you've written down, we've got some info on, and I've done the same. Now, I'm going to talk about my first one, okay? I will reveal what it is. Then we're going to have some discussion about it, and then we're going to go to your first of the five. And then we're going to go back to me, and that way, and hopefully we won't get lost, and then by that we'll have spoke about ten little subjects at the end. Okay. So you're getting a lot of information out of this podcast, I think. Well, we hope so. Hopefully it's useful. Yeah. yeah, tell us what you think. It is it is just something different to shake it up a bit. Okay. Okay, so if you're quite happy, Stuart, I am going to talk about my first thing. Go right ahead. Okay. So the inspiration for this point that I'm going to bring up is I often we get asked about specific junctions on the network, the Glasgow network. Yeah. So I thought to myself, well, why don't I talk about some of the junctions that I personally don't like for whatever reason? And I came up with quite a list of junctions that I have. So um, I'm, I'm actually going to cover a couple of these, but I'll, I'll leave the, the other one till the end. But the first one that I want to talk about at the moment is a junction that I really don't like. And hopefully I won't offend anyone out there or annoy you, Stuart. I don't know what your feelings or are on you, this one. you can never annoy me. <laughs> but anyway, this is an open forum. We can discuss it. So my first of my five is a junction I hate, and that's the M8 Junction 27, Arkelston, or Renfrew Road. It's a great junction. You would say that. It's a brilliant You junction. would say that, you know, just to be controversial on the podcast. One of the earliest junctions you in the Glasgow well. Motorways. I don't hate that junction. I really <laughs> like that junction. That's the one next to the big retail park at B&Q. And yeah, that's the one. Yeah. So that, that's part, just, should we, should we chuck a few quick facts in about it? Just, you go just, right ahead. So it, it is, uh, it's Junction 27 of the M8. It's part of the Renfrew Bypass, which mm-hmm. was opened to traffic in March 1968. Yeah. That junction has more or less been the same since then. And this is some of the reasons why I don't like it. So I I used this junction quite a lot when I stayed in that area. And it doesn't matter what angle you approach that junction from. There's always some something annoying that happens or something that you have to do. Okay. okay. So if I'm traveling westbound, yeah. all right, and I come off at that junction. So at the top of the slip road, there's actually a double white line. Yeah. Do you know where I'm talking about? Yeah. And people, for somebody who don't know this junction, stop. At the top, when you're not meant to, you're meant to continue round, almost like they're stopping to give way. Is there but, signage in place to tell you that? Yes, there is signage right. in place, so, and there's also road markings as well. Okay. I admit it is unusual because the normal way of thinking is when you get to the top of a slip, you stop and you give way and you look. You don't technically do that there. Mm-hmm. You just continue round on this double white, and then you end up being dumped on that roundabout. Okay. Yeah. So I don't like that. Okay. Okay. 
joining it westbound is that in quite sharp but also very, very, very short merging slip road just at the start of the White Cart Viaduct. So oh, if you're yes. a and q and you're wanting to go over and heading towards Greenock going that way, you either have to do two speeds, five miles an hour, or a hundred. <laughs> yeah. A slight exaggeration, but you know what I mean, to try and match like that, because when, you, when you're trying to merge, the, I mean, the, the visibility isn't great going around there, and you really have to be on your toes, especially in heavy traffic. It's not so bad in congestion, but in heavy traffic, it is particularly bad coming on there, because, you know, people can be, what's the speed limit there? 60. Yeah, but it was built for much quieter times, remember? It is, but it's very short, Stuart. Yeah. It's very, very short. I'd imagine at the moment and for the last 10 weeks, it's been very easy to merge on that slip road. Go around with a blindfold <laughs> on. No, I, I don't recommend that. Okay. But that's only half the battle with this. Um, coming the other way, so if you're heading eastbound to Glasgow, um, you go you go through and there's this, um, it's almost like a lilo type arrangement of the slip roads, a, a left in, um, a left off, left on mm -hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and they come together. And then you, you, you come off the, the slip road and there's a junction at the top that takes you into a small kind of place that's got like a restaurant and things like mm -hmm. that in it. Arkelson Road. Arkelson Road, that's right. Then there's a give way there. Now, again, people do strange things here at the top here where they either stop or they start indicating as they're going onto the motorway when they people, shouldn't have to. No, people indicate because mm -hmm. they want to let the person waiting at the give, give way line know that they're not going straight on and I they know. don't want somebody plowing into them. But, but I always indicate coming around there for that very even, reason. Even though you don't have to indicate you have to indicate yeah. to show that people don't. I don't think do it's that. only helpful to others to let them know. No, I'm yeah. not going straight on. I'm turning onto no, the motorway. I, that's fine, but it, it's odd and it's annoying and it's just another. It's another thing of that junction I don't particularly like. I so think now, you're being overly hard. Well, do you know another thing I don't like about it? All right, it's a mess. The bridge is a mess. I don't like it. It doesn't look great. There are no hard shoulders that go between the structure either so there's not much you can really do to widen the motorway if you had to do it i mean well i mean it gives an excuse to rip the whole thing out and start again but i, I don't like the junction i just think it is it is it's a nasty mess and it needs to be modeled incredibly out of date the only good thing it has going for it is um well it's, it's full it's full access full and access. It, it it does its it it does its job in terms of the destinations it serves mm -hmm. paisley's lucky because it actually has three or four junctions that serve it, you know? Yeah, on two sides of the town. Mm -hmm. Most other towns don't have that. You know, so that's why Arkelston <clears throat> can get away with its, yeah. its shenanigans. I think it's fine. Go. I think you're overplaying it a bit. Well, you didn't, you didn't live around there. No, but I did study there for four years, and I used it every day. So, mm. you know, at peak times. Oh, that was a student commute, so you were doing it, yeah. non-peak times, yeah. No, no, they were peak times. <laughs> Classy started at nine, finished at five, so there was a peak time. <laughs> Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Okay. All Trust right. you to start with a negative. You shouldn't have started with. Oh, the thing I like most is I've been just waiting. typical John going in with a negative rant on something. <laughs> just such a pot kettle black moment here for anyone who does listen no. to the podcast regularly. And here's what you do. Okay. Right. Okay. That's my. I've taken up too much time moaning about Arkelston. So, what's the first of your five, Stuart? What things do you? What things do you want to get off well, your chest? I'm going chest? to go with things I like first. Okay. Rather than the things that I don't like. Right, I'll have to take the opposing And in fairness, view. it's actually quite difficult for me to find things that I don't like. Because, oh, because you're enthusiastic if, about if the I subject. If I didn't like vast aspects of the motorway system, I wouldn't have set up an archive specifically to <laughs> celebrate it. No, that's um, it's a flippant remark, but a fair one. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to start with something nice, something positive, and I'm okay. going to start with the signage. And by that, I obviously mean oh, the right. gantry signage, the overhead signage. Mm -hmm. Minimalist, not in your face at all. Mm -hmm. um, very easy to read. And these, these are specifically the Glasgow gantries you're yes. talking about here. Those white gantries that you see with the nice internal illumination. Right. Uh, have been above the M8 since 1970. Mm -hmm. uh, there's now about 200 of them in total, mm -hmm. almost from Bailston all the way out to uh, almost Erskine Bridge yeah. at Junction 30. And uh, they continue to operate and function well. And mm -hmm. uh, I think they are wonderful because they aren't particularly visually obtrusive. They don't block no. out vast views. They're not like some of the more uh, modern gantries where you might have to look up to 15, 16 meters in the air to see the top of a stacked sign yeah just like all the, in one line 
like the ones you see beyond the fort now. Yeah, you know, it's all in one line, very easy, and 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 that internal illumination makes it fantastic mm -hmm. as well. It just adds a feature to the system that's unique. And hopefully, I mean, I agree with you on this, to be honest with you, and hopefully they are to stay. You know. Yeah. However, some people don't like them, do they? Because no, as, some as we've discussed many times, yeah, say they are confusing. Because they don't have the arrows that point down, telling you what lane yeah, you need to yeah. be in. Some people need to lead by the hand, it seems, and, <laughs> and need to be guided. Um, you know, but surely there's clearly. an argument. I mean, our our road signs that we have across not not just Scotland but the whole United Kingdom, they are consistent. They are the same. But it seems these gantries are an exception to the rest of the other gantries, and that's the point of argument that a lot of these people use: is why why can't they be consistent? Well. The Let's start. Let's just make a point here. Right. The Glasgow gantries were in place on the urban system there, mm -hmm. pretty much before there were many urban sign gantries anywhere else. Yeah, you know the design certainly, perhaps not the construction, but the actual design and the concept of them was in place before there were many others across the UK. Mm -hmm. So what's to say that those used elsewhere aren't any mm -hmm. uh, less useful than the the Glasgow types? Just because the Glasgow types have stood the test of time, that tells me something. <laughs> they're still there after 50 years whereas in Birmingham for example or Manchester or any other areas there's been maybe two two changes mm. but possibly even three in some cases with different generations of signage that have been used the Glasgow system's still there I'm yet to see or hear of one accident that has been directly attributed to so people not understanding or following a Glasgow gantry mm. so I don't think they're necessarily doing all that bad a job well, I must admit, I'm finding it very hard to grill you on this subject because I know it's one of your specialisms. Yeah, we didn't we didn't rehearse this before the podcast or anything. Uh, it's it's just um, I'll put it this way: I'm not surprised that you've put that in one of your that was always going to be my first. Yes, it would be a disservice otherwise. Yeah. so it's a step. And anybody who tries to convince me otherwise. <laughs> Will not be listened to typically. <laughs> well, you many know, have tried. Well, I was going to say it's it is it is a common debate. It does come up quite a lot. But uh, there we go. But this we we have covered this quite a few times, so it's all out there. Yeah. Okay. So what's your second thing? It's an observation, actually, Stuart. Okay. Um, and I believe one of the later questions might tie into this, but I'll talk about this just now. Mm -hmm. So um, well, we're still in lockdown here in Scotland. Yeah, still. I don't uh, but I'm one of these people who has had to go back to work uh, because of where I work and what Because John's to... a key worker. A key worker, apparently. Go me! You know, so... <laughs> so, yes, I, I've got to... Uh, I've got to go to work and um, I've got to commute. There is something missing from my commutes. It's congestion. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't realise this and didn't start thinking about it, but this this is what I'm going to talk about, is the coronavirus congestion or lack thereof. You've just given me something, uh, you've put something in my mind that I've been meaning to mention on one of these podcasts, mm. that the lack of congestion on the M8 in particular, on the inner ring road section, as we as we talk about through Charing Cross, this is the longest period since the summer of 1980 without congestion on the motorway. What? Congestion started to appear in the mainline ME in August 1980. So this is the longest time, 12 weeks, I think, now, without any form of congestion on the M8. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's... How wonderful are these motorways when they work? Yeah. Do you know, I didn't realise it, and this is why I'm, I'm just going to rabbit on a bit here, is is that how much congestion, a routine, I'm talking about peak congestion times for, for AM and PM peak with me and my commute, how much that actually controlled my life? You know, because having to get up early to beat traffic, having to stay in work late to beat traffic, having to divert and come off the motorway to rat run and get away from traffic jam or incidents and things like that that contribute to it. And actually, how much extra time I've got now. Yeah. You know, I don't have to... Well, I, I think we should clarify for people listening that you, you have to use the car to get yes. to your workplace because to get to your workplace by any other means well, would not no, be possible. There's no public um, transport Just there. before anybody writes in and says, oh, you should use the bus or you should use the train, John doesn't doesn't have that option. Um, <laughs> thank thank you for preemptively that. defending me there, Stuart, yeah. but no, that, <laughs> that's fair enough. No, uh, and it's too far away to, to jump on a bike or anything like oh, that. Oh, yeah, 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 God, yeah. yeah. You know, so yeah. that, that's what I've got to do. But what a difference it is to just, well, I'm going to leave the house at this time and I will get to work in 40 minutes, you know, and, and I do, and it's not an hour and a half or something like that. Yeah, it, two hours in some cases, as it can be. Even it has, really you know, yeah, it was it was incredibly bad. And it just goes to show, you know, and I must be thinking these logistics companies 
uh, you know, and all these things are suddenly able to make all their deliveries and everything on time. On time so, delivery rates must be must be through the through, roof. It must be a fantastic thing. Now, just think about if that's if this was normal. Yeah, it could be normal, John. It doesn't take a, a, a large reduction in the amount of traffic on the road to get our system free flowing, as we've discussed many times. Often during summer holiday periods, yeah, and when schools are off, the Glasgow system flows freely for the whole day. You know, particularly seeing Glasgow during the fair fortnight, it's very rare to find peak time congestion on the motorway. You're not talking much of a reduction in traffic mm -hmm. to get it happening. If we get enough people into buses, mm -hmm. not into trains or into bikes or whatever, mm -hmm. it's reasonable to expect that or, we could get that. do they need to go to work at all? Because this well, is the whole thing, and we've all been Zoom junkies lately, haven't we? And Microsoft Teams and all this stuff. A lot of us can work from home and yeah. probably work more effectively at home. Yeah. And that's what I've been doing for most of the time until I've had to go back in to fulfil my duties, so yeah, to speak. I always make the point, but we have a motorway system that was designed for 1990s traffic levels. Yeah. Anyway, with the exception of Bailson to Newhouse, mm -hmm. everything we have was basically designed or has its basis for the, you know, in the 90s for 90s levels traffic. So that's why it's working so well because we're back at probably back at 1980s those, those levels things. of traffic yeah. at the moment. It is really good. You know? So mm -hmm. I know you're you're still having to work from home Stuart but honestly I can say it's 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 novel this I think it's very likely that I'll be working for home, from home for quite a while well there you go don't, don't get uh, well I was going to say get comfy then but uh, no I'm already, already back to it well I, I use the bus to get to work anyway so I sometimes yeah, yeah you do sometimes yeah, so I, I, I'm yeah. not too uh, too bad in terms of putting a car on the road that doesn't need to be mm -hmm. to be on it at peak time it depends so. where you work and so and yeah. kind of the big thing now is a lot of people work much further away from where they live yeah you know, which is the thing exactly. so that's that's my my second point so what's your second point the second one for me again not negative because i don't do negative i'm always a very wait, positive wait till person. you get back to me then yeah <laughs> i'm going to give an observation this time and it's one of these things that i've never quite understood Okay, And I know lots of people have asked us about this and have discussed it over the years, and I know some of the experts have as well. Mm -hmm. Bailston Interchange. Oh, yeah. Why okay. is something so big and so extensive so limited? And by limited, I mean that you can't make manoeuvres in all directions. Look at Junction 6 and the M74. You can go everywhere from mm -hmm. anywhere. You get to Bailston, and you've got this huge, sprawling, four-level junction. Mm-hmm. And there's some manoeuvres you can't make. You oh. can't go M8 east to M73 you, north. You were ranting about this you the other day. You can't go yeah. M73 south to M8 west. Mm -hmm. Now, it's okay for us to say, oh, well, the M80 was there and that was going to be out on the Northlink motorway. Yeah, to an extent, that's correct. But mm -hmm. we actually know through some of our conversations with the highway plan experts, mm -hmm. John Collin and others, that they felt that Baptiste's design mm -hmm. for uh, Bailston was actually quite ridiculous. Yeah. Way over the top. Mm -hmm. They felt that they tried to make more of a feature of it than a functional junction. Whereas John Cullen and the guys who had worked in America, new mm -hmm. functionality was king. Yeah. And John Cullen was on the record um, a stating that he felt that they could have scribbled something together in half an hour that would allow you to make all the manoeuvres that you had to, while still separating all the traffic, mm. uh, and probably doing it in far less space and costing far less money. I remember we spoke about that a while ago. Yeah. I remember I Remember, remember that, we yeah. spoke to one of our... Uh, friends, archive friends who'd worked at Strathclyde Regional Council and the corporation before that, uh, Andy Davis yeah. um, who had been involved and, and he said they all had a good joke in the Scott Wilson Kirkpatrick office back in the 1960s when, the, when they saw the Bailson interchange design apparently John was what just was very it? surprised at what he John, was John was at. surprised was yeah. he? Yeah, I would love to have been a fly <laughs> on the wall there but <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Bailson interchange the lead just outside the city boundary. So, so it, it was out with Glasgow Corporation's mm. uh, responsibility. It was Lark County in the Scottish office who devised well, that section. A couple of things. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come at you sideways here with this one. All right. So there ha these movements can now be made mm. since 2017, but in a convoluted oh. way. God, so yeah. you can get from M M8 heading eastbound to M73 northbound. Yeah, you know, but, I'm but gonna, you've got to come off and you've got to go to how many rounds? I'm going to make a comment here. I think three that, roundabouts. That manoeuvre is so bloody awkward mm. and so and complicated and confusing and not signposted that they would have been as well not to bother. <laughs> I think it wasn't ever by design that they put that in that, to make people do those movements. It just it, it happens to be yeah because you've got the two extra roundabouts there. But again, Stuart, it could have been because the Sterling motorway was always going to fulfil that purpose. But what? 
you know, that that's that's what I say when people bring this up. But what about all the people between Proven and Bailiston in the Monkland corridor, so to speak? Exactly, yeah. And there's been a lot of development that's come down mm. down the line since Glasgow Fort and other things, the Showcase mm-hmm. Leisure Park, all these things that have cropped up round about the Bailiston area. They would all have been able to make use of these this full access. You know, if mm. you if you live in Cumbernauld and you want to go to Glasgow Fort, mm. you, you don't go by motorway. You have to come up. You t- typically, people come off at Gut Kosh and take the back roads. You know. Yeah, I um, I I have a, a, an anecdote about this. Before I lived in Glasgow, I drove down to Glasgow to drop stuff off, and I remember driving back. Uh, and this was in the days before prolific sat nav. I certainly didn't have one. I, I was too poor at that point. Mm-hmm. And I missed Junction 13 coming back uh, eastbound. Sorry, sorry, sorry. How did you miss Junction? Were you not reading the gantries? Oh, you couldn't read them. There was no arrows. <laughs> there was no <laughs> arrows on the gantries. There was no arrows. You missed the junction. No, I was probably too busy singing along to the radio or something like that. <laughs> and I, uh, not being familiar with the, the Glasgow system, completely missed Junction 13. 13. Now, not able to reach a map or pull over or do anything, I had to rely on my memory. And I knew that the M8 met the M73. So I was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll get to the M73 and I'll just turn up that way. Of course, mm. this was back in, what, 2007? <laughs> How naive were you? Yeah, no, I remember having to actually turn round beyond that point. All the know. way to Showcase at Bergedi, underneath, it, back on and then off. I, I, think, I think I didn't take that. I think it was Eurocentral or something even ridiculous oh, like geez. that. And then I had, then I came off again. And I went By that stage, you wouldn't be as well to go all the way to the fourth road bridge and up the M90. <laughs> And back that way. Well, it was a good tour of the system. So no, I've actually fallen foul of it, um, to be honest with you. So there you go. All right, okay. Strange. Strange. Mm. But no, it's a, it's a fair point. Okay. Fair point. Next one for you. Right. My next one is... We can both contribute to this one, Stuart. Oh. Uh, I've called this entry um, my maddest motorway moments. Maddest motorway moments. <laughs> PC next listening. I hope he's got his book ready to find you. Well, I, I, well, it was actually really dangerous. Um, what, what happened? It was, it was actually, it was at junction fifteen, and this was in the pre-archive days. I think uh, I, 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 been driving and stuff like that it was before I met you, and I was coming up basically northbound up, so high street, and I wanted to join the M8 and go eastbound. Okay. Okay, now we all know the road system out there is uh, up at the top. That that road system had intimidated me because I'd only driv- driven it a couple of times. Townhead Interchange? Townhead, sou- south of Townhead Interchange. I'm talking about the street level, the surface streets. Oh, the, High the, Street, Glebe Street, Castle Street. The place yeah. that you call the traffic, sir. Yeah. Yes. So up there, I wanted to, to join the M8 going eastbound. Mm-hmm. Slight problem when I went to go do that is I actually turned on to what was the westbound off-ramp. So therefore, I'd gone almost as if I was joining... The westbound off-ramp? Yeah. I'd... So the Stirling Road off-ramp from the M8 westbound? So this... Yeah, so this... Yeah, I managed to somehow do this, you know, while going round. Now, it's okay, because I quickly seen the error of my ways when I seen these big no-entry signs coming up right next to the car. Fortunately, it was quite late at night, uh, and, and nobody was there. Nothing was happening. So it was a, quite a few few expletives shouted, uh, and I just turned the car as much as I could. I had to actually drive over the curb to get onto the, to the other side. So uh, from that point, I've always had a, a respect <laughs> and an admiration for a town head where I ne- nearly joined the M8 the wrong way. Goodness you know? sake. So uh, it's a very good thing for the, the no-entry signs because at that time, really didn't know much about it at all. All right. It certainly wasn't a local, put it that way. But another, another mad moment, uh, well, not mad, but surreal, uh, was, was that time when I was with you on Kingston. On Kingston. And on Kingston. When were we on Kingston? We, oh, gosh, that was back in 2013. Oh, yes. And we, the, you, you, you had this scheme going on there where the, the gantry was getting getting replaced yep. on Kingston and the whole of Kingston Bridge was shut going eastbound mm-hmm. or northbound looking yep. at it that was the first time I'd ever been out on site 
within a closure. Of course, you were a guest, weren't you? I was yeah. a guest. Mm-hmm. I was a guest. I was an archive guest. An so archive guest. So to speak, because that's when I joined. And that that was, to me, standing in the middle of Kingston, and, you know, only days before just driving over that um, and seeing this gantry being hoisted in and out. Uh, same night that I actually got to see within Kingston Bridge as well was, was fantastic, you know? Uh, very weird. So, yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We've uh, have you got just quickly on these things? Have you got any mad moments out there? No, that you can talk about. Not mad moments, no, because because uh, I know how to read the Glasgow gantry, so I don't take slip roads the wrong way. And <laughs> there was no, and there was no Glasgow gantry like there to to guide me, Stuart. Ah, that's okay. the problem. That must, maybe yeah. that maybe that was the problem. <laughs> I can tell you uh, <laughs> off the record, Stuart does have a few mad moments, but he's just forgotten them conveniently. But. Um, Sure, doesn't have mad moments. Mad moments on things. No, Very all. calm. Nothing bad happens. So. Anyway, what's my third one? Your one. Yeah. Back to me now. Well, you tell me. I was. Like, you, were going, like, you looked at me like you were quizzing me there. I was like, okay. I'm going with another positive. Oh yay! <laughs> Go for it. Because some of us have positive things to say. So I'm going to... There's no depression allowed on this podcast. I am going to go <laughs> with another thing that I like very much. And that is the landscaping of the motorway system, particularly in the Glasgow area. So from Bailiston mm-hmm. all the way out to Hillington, you may have noticed that on either side of the road there are lots of trees. Mm-hmm. Lots, thousands, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands of trees uh, on the embankments to screen the motorway. Mm. Uh, and they are commonplace uh, from Bailiston basically all the way through to Hillington um, thinking of sections in particular round about junctions 10 to 11 mm-hmm. uh, and then again round about uh, junction do, 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 what am I thinking 23, 24, I was going to say on the Renfrew motorways yep. but, quite... but even at Charing Cross even in the most 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 urban mm-hmm. sections of the motorway there, there are, are trees, trees in the middle at the sides, yeah. all around. And that was deliberate. Uh, and that was designed into the schemes at um, all levels uh, to ensure that uh, they were nice mm-hmm. and that they were screened and they weren't particularly visual. You know, so if you stand in parts of Easter House or um, parts of uh, Beach Avenue or places like that to the west of the city, you can't see the motorway from some of the adjacent residential areas. You know, okay, you're always going to hear it. But you can't see it, and I think that's important, and I think that's something they did well, and and it used to be much more looked after than it is now. I was going to say, you know, I understand the purpose from somebody looking in, you Mm -hmm. know, at the motorway, that the the trees have a purpose for screening and things like that. They're a maintenance nightmare. You know, you consider these things when they're planted. Oh, yes, it all looks very nice. So as things go on, this is a huge undertaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. I don't you make these excuses that you've companies nowadays it, you've like You've been to doing make. it to me no. all night. So. Let's take it back to the council days when the council were looking after all these motorways and did they complain about cutting all the grass? And they were, cu- <laughs> and they were cutting far more grass than yep. anybody is now and they were trimming the, the bushes and the hedges and the trees and the shrubs mm-hmm. two or three times a year with no complaints or difficulties. You know why? They owned the motorway. They were yep. proud of it. They loved it. They built it. They funded it. I can't comment. I mean, I wasn't around during the these city council parks times, department so. <laughs> had a had a key role in developing all the landscape and treatment mm-hmm. for the for the motorway system. They were very proud of that. And John Collins was always was really so, uh, something he always really mm-hmm. spoke up about was the, the landscaping and the trees and things. You go to parts of the motorway system in the east or down south, you don't see a lot of trees at the side of the road. And have you seen the new motorway between Bailston and Newhouse at Chapel Hall? There used to be thousands of trees there. Now they're lucky if there's about two left. Mm. You know, and it leaves these vast barren areas mm-hmm. with nothing in them look at the Aberdeen bypass it's the same hopefully yep. it'll establish a bit as the, as the years go by mm-hmm. uh, the M80 still isn't particularly established all these years later mm-hmm. M74 completion on the other hand which had some input from Glasgow City Council yeah the vegetation there landscape. is really starting to establish. I think yeah. they had some difficulties at first. But it depends on the species now. of trees that you get. A lot yeah. of these things, that you choose things that grow quickly mm-hmm. and come in and, and screen quickly. You yeah. know, it really, really does. And they do need looked after. You yeah. know, the tree guards do eventually need to get taken away. I think that's one thing that even the most 
ardent critics of the motorway could say, well, at least there's a lot of trees. Well, this is the thing. A lot of people don't think about this. You know, when, when roads get built and the protests go and people chain themselves to trees. Do you know more trees get planted as th- part of the project to, to construct the road than get chopped down? I think John Cullen said that there was something like three or four times more trees there after the motorway than there had been before it. <laughs> this is um, the strange thing, you know? Yeah, it's this is the thing about urban motorways in particular. You have to take yeah. the good and the bad and you have to decide what you think outweighs the are. You know, that's you the thing. What about the daffodils? There are some daffodils oh, at Bailey's. Da- <laughs> you still get places where there are actually some flowers planted. Yeah. And you get bluebells in sections of the motorway and you get daffodils. It's wildflower. You get yeah. some wildflowers. And they make a difference. It's just a seasonal thing that mm. just brightens it up a bit. You come through Bailston, there's thousands of them there still there. Some of them survive. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's parts of the M74 where there's actual uh, bushes that flower at certain times of the year as well. And they had a feature and they were deliberately planted. Mm. Now, I'm not a a landscaper, I can't tell you the species in particular, but you so know. this is not ghost bushes. No, 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 no. These are proper. These are, <laughs> these are proper, things, proper you things. Know. Uh, you so. know, it, it makes a difference. Although they're kind of out of favour with some people because they catch a litter, and that means yeah. you need to go and pick the litter. Personally speaking, I think we should be educating people better to not throw litter. Mm. When I was at primary school, I was taught from the very first stages that we don't dump litter. I don't know if that happens anymore. Not based on the amount of people I see chucking McDonald's cups out the window. Mm-hmm. other people, drive-through restaurants are available it's a bit like picking your nose litter I've always found if people will do it if there's nobody watching mm-hmm. and this is the thing if there's other it's people disgusting. about and they, you know they just see it as a, a crime they can do and get absolutely away with absolutely disgusting you know? but it's it's a massive bugbear of mine a blight yeah yeah. and that can end up a bit negative it was supposed to be a positive God, I've, <laughs> I've done my bit then <laughs> dragged you down okay well number four for number you. four right um, my one is uh, neither negative nor positive okay but it's a little fact and I don't think we've spoken about it okay okay so this is about some services on the M77 service areas motorway, motorway service serv- areas yeah proper motorway service areas mm-hmm. like not services like pipes and water and gas and stuff <laughs> Thanks for that. There's probably uh, at least one person who would have thought that. You never know. You never know. So a motorway service area that was proposed for the M77 when it was extended in 2005, um, you know, down towards Kilmarnock. Mm -hmm. So the information I've got here, um, I'm just going to have to credit this to um, the fantastic Motorway Services Online website. Um, who, who is, is it Jonathan who runs that site which is fantastic you really should check it out for everything to do with services and that's across the UK yep. but he has some information on the site which I'm going to directly quote from about the services that were proposed on the M77 at Junction 6 okay. before I go flying into this did you even know anything much about this Stuart? Yeah I remember the discussion about it at the time uh, it was part of the original proposal for the route. If you go back to that 1990s report that we have... So it was first mooted in 1995. Yeah. yeah. If you go back to that report from the Scottish office that we have talking about that upgrade, they said that, yeah, there really should be a service area on here because it mm. could be a last call for truckers heading for the ports down yeah. the A77. You know, rather than having to go into Ayr or into Girvan or into any of these towns along the route. Okay. Nice service area there. And then you're maybe only an hour or so from there down to, to the main ports uh, down at Stranra. So mm-hmm. that was the main reason for that. Likewise, coming the other way for the guys coming up the E77, it was felt they could perhaps control it better if they were going into a service area rather than stopping again in places like Maybell, Garvin, mm. Tray, all these wee towns Lo- along local, there. Local yeah. kind of services. I'm yeah. always open beyond five, no. six o'clock at night. There's something very reassuring about an actual motorway service mm-hmm. area as well. You know, it's consistent. So the story behind what was called Kingswell Services, this is from Motorway Services Online, okay. says was first proposed in 1995, mm-hmm. which is consistent with what you're saying. Yep. It's designed to open with the completion of the M77 in 2005. Yep. I was granted planning permission and then a revised proposal was submitted in 2004. Okay. The revised proposal was approved, but the developer chose not to take it forward. Despite this, the 2009 A to Z listed it as an open service station, suggesting it was still being actively considered when the map was drawn early in the previous year. So I've, I think I've seen it on maps, this Kingswell services, these services that aren't there. Yeah, but what's the reason it didn't go ahead? Well, I think we'll get to that. All right, okay. Okay, um, <laughs> I think... Um, the plans included parking for over 200 cars, 20 lorries and 5 coaches, and the service area would have featured the Bogland Garden. Sounds lovely, doesn't it? Mm. The Bogland. A chance for motorists to unwind in the adjacent nature reserve. The amenity building would have been shaped like two crosses with a courtyard in between them. 
Right, so very modern style. Yes. Yeah. The plans would have needed extra slip roads to be added to the junction because they're talking about junction six here. Yeah. Which is limited yeah, access. Lots of space there. Yeah. Uh, which only has north-facing ones. For this reason, another site was considered at Junction 5. All right, so they yeah. also thought about chucking it there, where the GSO comes in, mm -hmm. where the road meets the busy A76, but those plans never materialised. That would be very difficult to achieve that. Um, well, it's, it kind of wraps up here. It says, no operator was stated, but Kingswell had come to be associated with Road Chef. So Road Chef were looking at it. Developer was Kingswell Developments. I just don't think... I mean, you know, what I'm reading into it, and that's the end of the story as far as uh, Motor Services Online has on it, is that I don't think my interpretation is the developer didn't want to take it forward. And that was the end of it. Maybe felt there wasn't enough money to be made or something like that. Mm -hmm. Although, if you've ever used the Belfield services mm -hmm. on the E77, E76, E71 junction, I, I, I they are phenomenally busy. And that's going to yeah. be Donald's and Pre uh, Travel Lodge. Do and you know what? Spa it's probably the, that that could have killed it as well. People would have gone, oh, well, those services just there. So there you go. Mm -hmm. The services that were never to be. Could well be. You know, you never know. Someone like Eurogarages might pick up that site and develop it down the line. That's well, always a possibility. Turn it into a rest area like the Cumberland Gap. Well, you know, like, not quite a services. Could just be like old ends on the M80. Or Hart Hill. They're all tip. They're all rest areas in the in the no, sense of the English I, style. I would say Hart Hill. Hart Hill is an MSA. You think so? Yes, definitely. No hotel. Yes, no. I I agree with you. It is a glorified petrol station, mm -hmm. but it, but it is a motorway service area. You know, yeah. whereas the only actual designated rest area we have in the UK is, as far as I know, is the one in the Cumberland Gap. Yeah. You know. Okay. But Fair enough. there we go. So. You know. What's yeah. your fourth one? My fourth one would be, it's, another, it's a negative this time, uh, something that I don't like. Nice and simple, we spoke about it before. Okay. Junction 13, the Proven Road off-slip from the M8 westbound, the T-junction. So you come all the way down the slip road, uh, coming off of Junction 13, and you hit the T-junction with Proven Road. <gasps> it's is, a disaster. Is that not the one that we've said before should be a roundabout yeah, or something? Yeah, could be. There's a mini roundabout at the other end, the end going on to the M80. Right. Um, but for some reason, one has never been built at the uh, at the end of Proven Road. And you get a hell of a lot of traffic coming off there because you get fruit market traffic coming off the M80 southbound. Mm -hmm. You get normal traffic coming off the M8 westbound. Um, you know, also heading into the parts of the city, going to, uh, to Parkhead or whatever. Yeah. On football days, it can be very busy as the, well. People make that turn to get down onto into Celtic Park and yeah. those kind of areas where yeah. you've got the. Uh, East End regeneration route. Yeah, so that is right for improvement. No, I can't. Mm -hmm. I can't fault you on that. See, yeah. looking at the maps, there, there's all these allotments in that corner as well. I think these... a lot of them are due to be moved for the East End regeneration route stage three. No oh. shelved, as we know. No shelved, exactly. Yeah, as so. I spoke about before. There's yeah, so that's a gripe of mine. So if you're listening and you're at Glasgow City Council, give us a mini roundabout. Eh? <laughs> Won't cost too much. No, it roundabout. wouldn't really, because you could squeeze a mini in there mm. without any difficulty. No, absolutely. Well, back to you for your fifth. My fifth one is another junction. All right. I know. I was running out of ideas okay. and I'm afraid it's negative. But I don't think you could possibly disagree with this one. Now, I'm going to be talking about not a motorway junction, but it is a junction in Glasgow. And this is Bayliston Cross. Or some people know it as Bayliston Lights. Do you know where I'm talking about, Stuart? Yes, we have the A8, the A89, and a couple of local roads converge. Yes, that's right. Did you know this hasn't really changed in its configuration much? Um, it hasn't changed at all. At since, all. Since it's, it's, 1978, 79, when they changed it all for the... Uh, yeah. It might actually have been earlier than that. Oh, no, it would have been 79 because they built some additional bridges for the A89 as part of the final Bailiston stage. Yeah. So what's happened down here is that there, there's been some minor changes that haven't really altered the whole form of the junction when 2017 when the new A8 road going to Swinton Roundabout was put in and the old A89 was stubbed up. So there's an old section of the road. You can see that if you go onto the satellite view. But Bayliston Lights, to me, is it's an at-grade signalised junction. Uh, it's not a roundabout. It's not a gyratory. It is, it's just a kind of a, uh, a mishmash of lanes and, and traffic lights, and it's all a tremendous mess. And it's serving one, two, three, four, five roads. Yeah. So basically five. Now, that's always tricky. To be honest with you, and I've looked at this junction. Uh, one of the things I've always find here is uh, it can be a little bit confusing. I think the standard of it is is poor. It's run down. I've often found as well uh, surfacing on it's terrible. Um, quite difficult to make all the movements and and go around it. What I've often thought 
stub up one of the arms on it mm-hmm. and turn it into a roundabout. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be. You know, God, I mean, I've never traversed it as a pedestrian. But I think that the whole thing looks tremendously pedestrian and cycling un- unfriendly as well. Pedestrians now are catered for on the, the old, what had been the A89, and the pedestrian well, route goes through there. And what a, about going across it to There's crossings that tie in with the, the lights, I think, the signalised yeah. arms. Because I've always thought it was it was awful mm, for that, you know. Yeah. Um, busy as well. So, no, what I would like, a roundabout being plonked in there to be mm-hmm. honest with you, and stub up one of the arms. So you can still get into Morrison, still go into Glasgow, still get into the housing estate, but there's no need for that extra road that goes down the side of Morrison's. There's probably some people who will massively disagree with that and say, they, oh, I use that junction all the time, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, my, like, like most junctions, if you do use them all the time, they are fine. But that yeah. one, no. Yeah. I hate it. It's a mess. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that, that, that brings me to the end of my five. I hope you've enjoyed them. I think you've got one more. I have one one final one. And again, it's more of an observation. Okay. Rather than a, a positive or a negative, although some people might think it's think it's negative. <laughs> okay. I was thinking recently mm. about vast sections of the system that, that don't have hard shoulders for whatever reason, number of the main, the big structures. Thinking like in particular like Woodside Viaduct mm. and uh, uh, Whitecart Viaduct. Whitecart, I was gonna say. And uh, even Kingston Bridge to an extent that they don't have hard shoulders and that has uh, caused a bit of grief over the years and I think it's one of the few things actually in the, the overall system that I do think that the guys in the 60s were maybe just a bit short-sighted on. I mean, we've got a couple of the papers that they produced that went between the designer, the Glasgow Corporation and the Scottish office talking about why we didn't need the hard shoulders mm-hmm. and, you know, the justification was fine then but they were designing it for traffic flows in the 1990s. I kind of don't understand why they were using then current justification to not include them, but designing a system that was for 30 years later. Okay. When it would have been far more justifiable. Now, there was clear cost reasons for yeah, it. Yeah, that is the main reason why you don't add hard shoulders. Is it's, yeah. it's an extra cost. It's an extra land take, you know, that you've got to put in. But couldn't it have been, Stuart, that they knew, of course, when designing this system, that the overhead gantries with lane control were going to come in? And that could have meant if there was a lane blocked you could have red X'd it yeah, does that not sound no. familiar with the smart motorway thinking it does. That, that Highways England in particular have pushed very I, hard I would for, like to say know? that that kind of level of intelligence was put behind the justification but it wasn't it was purely right. in cost grounds and, and low traffic flows mm. bear in mind hard shoulders are useful for vehicles emergency vehicles getting to incidents when they happen red X on a above a lane isn't going to clear traffic to allow people to get through yeah. Um, you know, so that causes a bit of difficulty. Also, if you want to do maintenance and things or visit parts of the, the network at the side of the road, you've got no hard shoulder, you can't do that unless it's during overnight periods or whatever. Yeah. You know, so it restricts what you can do there. I just think, yeah, I'm not complaining about it massively because it doesn't seem to make a huge difference really to the operation. We, we, we're but, pretty uh, lucky we have quite a lot of hard shoulders, though, yeah. compared to some systems. But as you say, bridges, it's an issue where, where well, some places used to have a hard shoulder, but then they got turned into a running lane, mm. particularly on the the Renfrew motorway mm-hmm. heading westbound. Yeah, you know. So, and there's not really much you can do there now to add in a hard shoulder, apart from demolish structures and stuff. But that's not going to happen. Yeah, you know? you're you're right. You're absolutely right. So we do have mini hard shoulders as well, like the ones at Charing Cross in the canyon. Hard strips. There. Well, there's something between a hard strip and a hard shoulder. You know? Well, Charing Cross is a hard shoulder. Technically, it's a hard shoulder because it's three meters wide. Yeah. So it just meets. Because hard strips normally are about a meter or yeah. so wide. Aye, you know. That's true. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. So that's five things. I hope, so they, were, five I hope they were interesting enough for people. Yeah. Give us something and to talk about. Interested to hear what other five things other people would pick up as their main observations about the Glasgow system, yeah. good or bad, or Facts, just general opinions, observations. Whatever. So let us know when we post about this podcast coming out and you listen to it. Leave mm-hmm. us some comments. Let us know what you think. Yeah, well, I enjoyed doing that, Stuart. Yeah, That's something good. a bit different. Right? Nice something to, to talk about some general things rather than just a, a particular topic. Okay. Well, shall we uh, segue into the questions then? Yeah, we've got two, th- three questions technically. Two biggies and one easy one. First of all, Chris Law asked on Facebook about some works that are happening on the M74. Anybody who's not familiar with the Motherwell-Hamilton area um, or who doesn't use the A723 on a regular basis won't necessarily be aware, but there's been a lot of works going on to to protect the bridge columns. 
mm-hmm. of all the bridges. That's an extensive complex of bridges through there, as people might know. And there's been a lot of work going on in there. And Chris was asking why it seems to be taking so long to, to get finished. And I had, I had noticed that myself. It seemed to be on site for a while. So I got in touch with some of our contacts <laughs> and managed to get an answer. Basically, who the, you know. the work was due to be finished fairly, fairly soon. Um, but because of the current uh, situation, situation yeah. uh, it had to be delayed because obviously we, we don't have people working on sites at the moment. So that was why work was put on hold there. There was also a break over Christmas. I believe uh, the local authorities requested that the works be postponed over the Christmas period for, because of the increase in traffic. That's a very common thing across the central belt, you know, during busy times of the year at Christmas and other times for the for the local authorities maybe to say, you know, there's a big shopping park there or whatever, can we avoid works? So that's why there's a bit of a gap. So yeah, it maybe seems as though it's dragged on for, for quite a while, but it's it's due to be finished imminently. Yeah. So hopefully when the restrictions start to be eased, hopefully it'll move on quite quickly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I certainly noticed it. It's peer yeah. protection, I think That's it's right. called. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so that was a nice easy one. Uh, we have another one, uh, John. This is from Duncan McKnight, a, a regular questioner. Oh, hello, Duncan. How and, are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to pose this one to you because it kind of ties in with that point you made earlier. And Duncan was asking mm. about what a post-COVID-19 M8 uh, is going to look like. Right. What's your thoughts on that? Well, I initially thought it would be quieter. Uh, based on you know perhaps a gradual shift going to home working but you've made a very good point Stuart uh, maybe a couple of podcasts ago uh, in regards to public transport people might not be that keen to being hemmed in on a train again do you, yeah. know, do you know what I mean so people might be like you know what I've got the car I'll, I'll, I'm just going to use the car I'm just going to play it safe I think just as we've seen some fast food places open everybody rushing at them at once yeah suddenly there'll be this floodgate thing and i think it will be an initial high traffic volume period because of that but then that that will dial back and that will change well i think personally i think it all comes down to how quickly if at all a vaccine is developed for this mm-hmm. because if it becomes an ongoing problem for you know for over the years and it's and it remains with us mm-hmm. then you might find that many people might be hesitant to use buses and trains mm-hmm. um you know that are packed and, and very busy and we all know it's very difficult to to bring in social distancing on, on buses and trains um, don't have enough carriages as it is no. on a lot of these things so no. i think it's very difficult so you might find that if, if a vaccine is not forthcoming you might find that more people and it's not a good thing more people might take to their cars to go to work when they eventually go back to work yeah. and not everybody works in offices remember mm-hmm. in city centers that are easy to get to by public transport you know there are people who you know, have we'll just to use have the to car, use the car. anyway yeah. um, and you know it, we might find that their lives become more difficult as well mm-hmm. um, so it'd be interesting to see I wouldn't say it's all disaster or doom and gloom at this stage because as you said earlier we might find that a lot more people work from home mm. than was so previously the case and that might even out you know so yeah, yeah maybe more people who who, ha- who have to go to work who can't who don't work in an office they have to work on sites or whatever other key workers hospitals doctors mm-hmm. and the like mm-hmm. the may feel that it's safer for them to use the car rather than use the bus to get to work because they don't want to commit potential contact with somebody who's got it and then go to work. Whatever. So, yeah, there's so many things. I think it's just too early to say. Hmm. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting, but it's a good question. Yeah. Have we got any others? Yeah, we've got one final one again from Duncan McKnight. Okay. He's pushing his luck asking more than once. He's getting his pound of flesh this time. Yeah, he was insistent that I, uh, <laughs> that I didn't answer this question previously. Uh, I thought I had. Apparently I didn't. So what, well, what, maybe what? you should make yourself more clear. Yeah. Duncan, Duncan deserves to know. I think for, yeah, for everything, yeah, everything he's true. done. So Duncan asked a very technical engineering type question. Okay. About bridge expansion joints. Now are these the things that go boom when you drive over them exactly. over a bridge? And they allow right, the okay. bridge to expand and contract <laughs> depending on the temperature and the time of year and all these things. Of and, course. And they come in various shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. and you get very small ones and you get very big ones so when you're going over the Fourth Road Bridge or the Queensferry Crossing or Erskine Bridge you've got these huge expansion joints because you might see movement expansion there or contraction by up to a metre or vast sizes like that mm-hmm. on small concrete bridges you might get a narrow strip of uh, what looks like a rubberized material an asphaltic yeah. material um, very small movement ranges so really the type of joint that's in place is dependent on the movement range of the bridge now, ah. up until very recently, right. our joints in this country were categorised by types. Types 1, types 2, types 3, types 4, types 5, type 6. However, there's recently been a change of the standard. And for anybody who really wants to know, 
about how bridge joints work and what dictates what goes in where, I suggest that they go on to the Standards for Highways website, that's standardsforhighways.co.uk, and they click on the Design Manual for Roads and Bridges, and they specifically look up document number CD357. And that technical document dictates to all civil engineers and highway engineers and people mm -hmm. all over the country what bridge joints they have to use and where. Mm -hmm. And that's what we work to. We don't just make up as we go. No, of course not. That document, that standard tells and us These are things use. that constantly need to be monitored and replaced, you know, over time. So um, yep. it's it's something that's always going to be They take a bit of a pounding, obviously, in they busy do. places. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But no, it's interesting what you say, just to sum it up then. Yeah. You know, the more movement, the larger the joint. Potentially, the, the larger the spans you've got, you know, in areas, you know, that you've, you've got that. And then you need multiple expansion joints if you're on a viaduct with multiple spans. Exactly. You know? Yep. So that's pretty much it. So hopefully that answers that one. I won't so, go into too much technical detail on that. Look up that standards document. That'll give you all the information Wonderful you need. bedtime reading. I'd highly recommend it. Yeah, definitely is. It definitely <laughs> is. Okay. Right. Okay, then. So mm -hmm. this is, as we said, we had fun this podcast. We've got two podcasts coming up next month in yep. June. So June 2020. Mm -hmm. uh, that's obviously the, the 50th anniversary of the Kingston Bridge mm -hmm. opening to traffic. We have a number of events planned for that. And now all entirely online. We originally had a whole vast, huge array of things planned, but unfortunately the current situation has mm. not allowed for any of that. Hopefully some of them might happen at a later date, but we won't hold our breath on that. Okay. Um, so all of our things are going to be focused online. And one of the things we are releasing as part of the celebrations is a podcast series. So we're doing a part one and a part two. Okay. And they will be released on the second Thursday and the fourth Thursday in June, I believe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That, that just works out like that. So I'm really looking forward to that because I've been doing a lot of research mm -hmm. on Kingston Bridge recently, uh, way more uh, than I had really done before, to be honest. So yeah. it, it's it's good to... I've seen how it's been coming along. Yeah. Some fantastic images and coming in. Some new you know? online stuff coming. Oh, <laughs> And maybe, maybe just, maybe, right. a wee published booklet. No. We're not finally going to publish a booklet, are we? No, no. Can't Surely any, this nope. was a dream you had. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Can't see anymore. Can't okay. see anymore. So I'm really excited. By, by there the are. A, uh, I think it's going to be really good. There are things coming. There are okay. things coming. And watch the space. And over the next wee while, things mm -hmm. will start to appear on uh, on social media about what's coming in. What we plan. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Well. I think that's everything we've got for this month. So thanks for joining us this episode on the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. Make sure you visit our website, glasgow-motorways.org.uk, where you can listen to our previous episodes and learn all about the Glasgow Motorway system. And you might remember in the article on the Scotsman about us earlier this year, we were talking about a new expanded website that was in development. It's very much in development now, and hopefully that will be going live in the, in the near future. And there'll be tons of new material on there for you to look at. So watch the space on that just a wee mm. just a wee hint of that there to give you as well uh, obviously for podcasts you can subscribe to us on Apple and on Spotify or on Podbean which is our host service and that will make sure you never miss any episodes at all while you're at it leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts someone did last month thank you very much for that we appreciate it mm -hmm. tell your friends about us as well and colleagues lots of people listen to this for the first time and can't believe how interesting it is and they come back for more mm -hmm. so please yep do that Everybody will like it. And of course, you will find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram daily. There's always posts going on there. Yeah, That's there a, is. the best way to view our exciting and new material. That's right. You'll see regular updates on those channels. So in the meantime, that's all for now. But we'll be back soon with our Kingston podcasts and some other things to talk about later on in the year. Yes, indeed, John. It's been a good one. It has. It's been good fun. Hope to see you there. We'll see you then. Bye.